Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Hey, Ress. Hi there. It's gross here in Florida today. What's it like when in Georgia? Gross. What's gross? Uh, like low 50s, cloudy, cold. Low 50s yeah. is cold. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. For where you are, I will say here it's actually no joke. It's freezing. Let me look at my watch. Yeah, it's 43 degrees, but when I took the courts earlier, it was 34. <laughs> It is windy. So um, when it whipped up, it was like a chill. It was like a a certifiable chill. And I mean, I always say I don't mind the cold. I actually enjoy it. But when you, how do I put it? When you live here in Georgia, you can't just assume that when it starts changing, when the weather, it's going to stay like that. Right. Well, we had this like maybe two or three week blip where it was in the 70s. Yeah. Then literally it will overnight go back to the 30s. And that's what exactly happened this weekend. So we went from abruptly from high 50s on Friday and then it sunk into the 30s on Sunday today. You know, yesterday was just as cold. Actually, yesterday was colder because it was overcast. So we didn't even have any sun outside. March is a fickle, fickle month. In Georgia, it certainly is. In Georgia, and like lion out like a lamb. I'm hoping because I, I, like I said, I don't mind it being cold, but you just have to stay cold and then get warm and stay warm. Correct. That's what's better for all of us. I agree. I agree. All of us everywhere. Everywhere, everything, all at once. Nice. I'm drinking my water, my ju- my 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 gallon jug. Sweet. Yes, I'm just gonna say that before we start the regularly scheduled segment portion of our podcast, that Jonathan and I are watching the Oscar winner movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay that one best picture and then a bunch of other, you know, best actress, best actor, best supporting actress. We're watching it. We paused it so I could come record this podcast with you. And Jonathan and I both agree. It is awful. It is an awful movie. I have no idea how it won. It may literally be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Interesting. You say that because this is for me, what I heard, you either love it or you hate it. So I don't understand how it did win. Or why, why do you think it did win? Did I have no that? idea. I have no idea. And I don't want to speculate, but it is 
a mystery. I mean, I could see it winning maybe best director because there's certainly a lot going on that I think it was very probably complicated to direct and maybe it should win some other technical awards, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm mystified. I'm mystified. Maybe I'll, I'll watch. I have, I should watch it. I haven't seen one one movie that was Oscar uh, uh, um, nominated, and I that usually happens to me. I'm usually a year or two behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I can't even remember the other ones that were nominated, except I know I didn't see Top Gun. Jonathan and Vivian have both seen Top Gun at least once, if not twice. I think that's shocking to me. I wonder why that even was nominated. I mean, it's not. It, it it's wasn't nominated for the first movie, was it? Oh, I bet. Well, I don't know. I was going to say, I bet it could be that way, way back when Tom Cruise was a big box office draw, could have been nominated, but you know what? Maybe it came out the same year as a, an officer and a gentleman, which didn't that win that year. Yeah. I don't know. know. Richard Gere, Deborah Winger. Yeah. 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 That's right. I remember that. Yes. I didn't watch the Academy Awards, but obviously I found out who won and I read some articles about kind of leading up to the Oscars. And yeah, I'm just um, not going to lie. I'm mystified, mystified. Did you even, did you watch it all the way through? No, because like I said, I had to (laughs) stop to come record. I mean, we will, but it was, I had to come record this podcast with you. So we had to. Oh, so you were watching it right before. I got yes, you. Okay. Right before. So I'm feeling it very viscerally. So if I seem dazed and confused, that's because oh. of this movie. Okay. Oh, but anywho, listeners of a walk in the park podcast, I'm going to share something that is currently on my mind that doesn't have to do with the awful movie I'm currently watching. Okay. Currently on my mind. Crypto redux. Cryptocurrencies have been rising again as traditional banks fail. March 2023 has now seen the worst U.S. banking crisis since 2008. Federal regulators shut down Silicon Valley Bank after there was a run on deposits. Think it's a wonderful life. Depositors tried to pull out $42 billion in one day. Wow. SVB, a heavily focused tech startup bank, mismanaged, possibly illegally. Some people may eventually go to jail. Its portfolio, investments, money, federal interest rate hikes have cooled the IPO market. Depositors started withdrawing more money than the bank could cover. Word got around that they were selling assets and investments at a loss. More panic ensued. Two more crypto-friendly banks failed. (sighs) The lack of transparency in traditional banks is one of the main problems that cryptocurrency advocates point to in favor of cryptocurrencies. Decentralized on the blockchain, a public ledger, there is transparency. You can see where everything is going in real time and it can't be altered. But cryptocurrencies are not controlled by one entity. It's decentralized versus centralized and you have no FDIC insuring depositors, which with traditional banks, the FDIC insures deposits up to $250,000. And of course, cryptocurrency detractors would point to things like the FTX debacle that we've talked about on this podcast. So what will time tell? Let's just hope this is not the beginning of another great recession, like 2008 Mm -hmm. to 2010. That is something that is currently on my mind, because when I hear about banks failing, I think, oh no. Well, in this situation, what bothers me is 
is the simple mismanagement of funds, which is unnecessary. And that's, that's obviously illegal, but it's unnecessary. I mean, you shouldn't be putting everybody's money at risk if you're a bank. So why well, would, sorry. No, 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 no. I just, I'm always shocked that anything like this could happen because I know that we are in tenuous times. Our economy isn't at its best, but it's not bad. People are going back to work and things should be getting better. But for some reason, the bank situation, it, that this is unacceptable. Well, so there are a couple of factors in play here that I've read about. One, these are um, regional banks that were not subject to the same tighter restrictions and laws that the big banks uh, are subject to since the 2008 banking financial crisis, where those banks got seriously over leveraged and collapsed like big, big banks. So SVP, you know, it's a regional bank and the two others that collapsed were regional banks. So part of what you have to look at is, okay, these banks need to be regulated as well because they didn't have the same restrictions on, oh, you have to keep enough capital in reserve. And then right. really what happened is decades ago, I'm trying to remember how many now, um, Republicans led the way to repeal the Glass-Steagall Act, which in my recollection was what actually prevented banks from investing money. It was regulations that got put in effect in the Great Depression or after the Great Depression way back in the 30s. And they're like, banks should just be banks. They should just be holding people's money. They shouldn't be taking unnecessary risks, you know, investing it in things. And, uh, but, you know, people get greedy and they want to make money. And then you have lobbyists who donate to campaigns of politicians who will be like, sure, I'll repeal those regulations. And, you know, you have People in government who are like, government should be smaller. They should let businesses just be businesses and banks be banks and just let right. you know the economy run itself. And it's like, well, this is what happens. So I don't know. I was talking to Jonathan about it and he said, from what he read, it's not like even the CEO of this bank was doing anything, um, you know, straight up illegal. He wasn't embezzling funds or, you know, pyramid schemes or anything right. like that, but it's just like complete mismanagement. So certainly a violation of fiduciary duty. And now it's like, you've lost all this money. Well, when the FDIC and the government step in and bail people out, it's the taxpayers that are paying for it. Right. Of course. So anywho, yes. So, so that's the long term. You don't, I don't, how did this, I guess my question is, how did this have like a trick trickle effect? Because this is one bank and one, I know I they guess, said people got riled up because it got, you know, it started to spread around on social media. People, it's just like the run on the bank. You know, people start to panic, like, oh my God, the whole thing's collapsing. I'm not going to be able to get my money out. Right. And also, it seems like a lot of these companies, these tech startups, I mean, there's something to be said for not keeping all of your money in one bank, right? But then right. the banks, since they don't have rules, these regional banks that are maybe as tight as, you know, larger banks, they're able to like offer all these great deals or something to people like, you know, put your money right. here and we'll give you this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, everybody, but yeah, maybe banks need to, maybe all banks need to go back to just being, being banks. I mean, you could always invest conservatively, 
But even then, I think something had to do with, you know, they said the federal interest rate hikes, not just cooling the IPO market, but also kind of affecting the um, bond yields and treasury notes and things like that. And so when people are cashing them in, like if you now owe them more money, maybe it's like, oh, you weren't anticipating the rates going up, right. the interest rates. And so you just didn't have enough money to cover. But what's on your mind, Risk? Because we could talk and on my behalf, not that educated about the banking crisis. So hopefully whoever <laughs> listens to this. sounded pretty good. It sounds great. And I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty confident that 98% of what I said is accurate. The Glass-Steagall <laughs> Act, when I started throwing that around, I know that's the name, but I was like, hmm. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, um, the next thing about I'm about to talk about came at me from uh, someone else. And I was like, okay, so this is something we have to talk about. A giant blog of seaweed twice the width of the continental United States is headed for the shores of Florida and other coastlines throughout the Gulf of Mexico, threatening to dump smelly and possibly harmful piles across the beaches and dampening tourism season. Sargasm, which I think is a funny name, the specific variety of seaweed has long formed large blooms in the Atlantic Ocean, and scientists have been tracking massive accumulations since 2011. But this year's bloom could be the largest ever, collectively spanning more than 5,000 miles from the shores of Africa to the Gulf of Mexico. The article describes a couple more things. Workers already in Punta Cana, uh, uh, Dominican Republic start removing these blooms from their beaches as early as June. Oh, so no. it's coming up. Yep. And then also it should show up to our beaches by July. What is sarcasm? Sarcasm is brown algae. We could refer to it as seaweed, mostly found in the Atlantic and have a lot of upsides for ocean life, like sanctuary and food, amongst other things. The downsides, it can downside, it can mess up beaches. It can smell like rotten eggs if left for too long. And it actually, in the long run, can harm wildlife, creating dead zones in water by sucking up the oxygen out of the water. Changes in ecological factors and sea currents are influential in this issue. So it came at me because the person who sent it to me was concerned about our upcoming trip at the end of August. Our annual August beach trip, which right. is in year, I think this is year nine. Is it nine possibly? or is it eight? It could be, I don't know. I don't know. It's nine. It's year nine. Oh, wow, that's so awesome. Yeah. So anyway, we've had seaweed issues before. Um, when we've gone on that trip, we but, have had, I can only think of one year though, where we had one of the past eight where the seaweed was really bad to us. Right, to us. And that sounds nothing like this seaweed blob no. that is coming at us. So the, I guess my question is, you know, will, um, the seaside area try and get preemptive about this and how do you do that you have to kind of like let it wash up unless there are boats yeah. literally collecting it yeah i don't know that there's a plan in place to attack a seaweed blob out in the gulf um i do think it's like yeah it washes up and then you have to have the trucks to remove it 
And when I was reading that article, because you had shared it with me as well on from CNN, you know, it said part of the thing too is to be careful not to use it as fertilizer because it contains arsenic potentially. And yeah. so if you start using it as fertilizer, you know, rather than burning it, for example, um, you know, that arsenic and it could leach into water supplies or the soil and actually cause further further harm. Yeah. But there's a couple of things. Um, yeah. So one, I don't know, we do, I don't know how long is our sea. When can we get a refund on our seaside trip? June. June. Okay. June's the latest. I think it's either June 1st or it's, it's definitely June. Okay. Yeah. So we've got to keep an eye on that. I mean, yes. it's hard to know. And I think you, I don't know if you just shared or the article shared that it should be like, hitting Florida kind of in July. So that gives them a month to maybe figure out a system of removing it. But then also, if you think about it, if this is something that like has to be done on a daily basis, then how can you really enjoy the beach? Right. There's going to be trucks constantly. I personally would have a suggestion and then we're getting a little bit further afield. I know the podcast listeners always want to know our details. Yes. Details. Um, but we could totally pivot and go to Charleston instead. It's the same distance from you guys in Georgia as Seaside is. Mm-hmm. It's like a five and a half, five hour, 45 minute drive. It's on the Atlantic. So we don't have to worry about the seaweed blob being there. Not mm-hmm. that you would spend a lot of time in the water in Charleston or I don't personally, but Kiowa Island is there as well. So if you needed mm. a beach to get to one, if I went to Charleston, I would personally just spend time in the town, eating my way through, going to a show, hopefully at my favorite theater, 34 West. So just Mm -hmm. something to think about. They have cute little VRBOs in Charleston too. I mean, it would be a completely different type of trip because it wouldn't be a trip. I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to look at, I don't like the Atlantic Ocean as a beach Right. Destination personally, but I know like some of our friends do, they go to Hilton Head. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just wouldn't be getting in the water because <laughs> yeah. it'll be cold still. Um, and I tend to think, you know, the Atlantic's just a less pleasant body of water than the Gulf. But I don't know. That's yeah. something maybe we have to start um, putting out there. We have to weigh our like, are we going to enjoy seaside as much if we can't? sit on the beach right. and enjoy it and also our house is pretty close to the beach if stuff's going to be smelling bad yeah uh, who wants that i mean i know down here you know we've had already had some red tide issues here in the sarasota area Red tide that's the name of it yes yeah. and um it's been i mean it's been bad like jonathan and i went to the beach a couple weekends ago we couldn't even sit by the water we sat way, way back from the water. And even still, it was a problem. We didn't spend as much time on the beach as we would have. It w- we were coughing. Um, the next weekend, we had friends in town and we went over. We weren't even on the beach. We parked at St. Armand's Circle. As soon mm-hmm. as we got out of the car, we all started coughing. Oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. So we didn't, I mean, we didn't even go over to the beach. We went into a restaurant. We like sat inside because even sitting outside would have bothered us. So. Well, there you go. To keep in mind. And it actually, it goes well into my, the next thing that I'm talking about, of course, currently consuming. Um, 
because this has to do with the climate and you didn't oh, think this would go by without me talking about the climate crisis, did you? No, but <laughs> I am making my way through the climate book by Greta Thunberg. I think that's how you say her name. For people who don't know, Greta is a 20-year-old Swedish environmental activist who at age 15 addressed the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference. Pretty impressive for a 15-year-old. Yeah. In the climate book, she gathered essays from climate scientists, experts, and activists from around the world on a variety of topics grouped under sections, how climate works, how our planet is changing, how it affects us, what we've done about it, what we must do about it now. And Greta wrote an introduction to each section, and she calls out the international community and really the global north for setting up frameworks that manipulate statistics to make it look like we are accomplishing climate goals, but we are not really, and it's rather terrifying. Yes. And then I was reading that the Biden administration has, uh, while given the appearance of promoting climate action to address the crisis, for example, passing the climate legislation portion of the Inflation Reduction Act last year, um, but now I'm reading about the Willow Project and the Biden administration preparing to approve this $8 billion oil drilling project 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle, currently pristine land that will now become just another climate crisis contributor as they rip the oil out of the ground and then possibly burn it and release carbon dioxide, greenhouse gas emissions. I know. So, you know, you have this climate conference every year, this UN climate conference, like this year was COP28 in Egypt. And they set all these goals to prevent rising temperatures because everybody knows rising temperatures cause all kinds of problems. I mean, like droughts, right. floods, when you obviously don't want floods and just really environmental chaos. Seaweed blobs that double in size in two months because you know the water in the blobs the water in the Atlantic isn't circulating properly. There's actually this whole fascinating thing. I can't explain it right now, but about how the Atlantic water circulates and how the climate crisis is like slowing that down and changing it and really messing things up. But um yes, so that book, the climate book is is a hefty tome. Um, but like I said, it's broken down to, to digestible essays and it's just, uh, yeah, we really, we really need to start thinking about how it affects us. I mean, there's the long-term problem of rising temperatures, but then there's the current problem. Like we can already see it in more extreme weather patterns and changes and things that we're not addressing. I mean, you know, my coast of Florida just last September had a category five hurricane and it caused billions of dollars of damage and killed people. And that type of stuff is just going to be coming more and more and getting worse and worse. And it's like, are we prepared for it? And the thing about the climate is it's already too late to stop it. (laughs) Like all we can do, all we can do is try to prevent the future from getting worse, but What's happening now, you know, is already the result of what we didn't do 20, 30 years ago when we should have done it. Right. Anyhow, but yes, once again, currently consuming stuff about the climate. That's the climate book by Greta Thunberg. I can't believe she wrote a book. 
Well, you know, that's funny because that's what Jonathan said. Now, remember, she technically didn't write this book because it's a collection of essays that other people wrote. So she wrote the introduction to each section and she's listed, therefore, you know, on the cover. But um, yeah, she did not write a whole book about the climate, which, you know, she's only 20. So (laughs) is she 20? 20. Yeah. She just turned 20 in January. So wow. she's, she's impressive enough. And I don't doubt that one day she, well, actually having said that, I don't know that she hasn't already written some other book and that this was, you know, just, let's see if she, if I can see anything. I mean, she's already won a ton of prizes, of course. Um, but I don't know if she's published anything. I mean, she's published articles, I'm sure, but I don't know. Well, why am I saying I'm sure? I don't know. But uh, yeah, she's an interesting young woman for sure. What about you? What are you currently consuming these days, Riss? I'm not consuming a whole heck of a lot. I tell you that. I've just been working in a, in a, in a vacuum because... Although my current job does not take too much time away from my life, it's just been four months of getting used to the routine, finding how how things work. Um, Let's see, uh, August is going, as we know, August is going to college in Rome. And the one thing that we've had to prepare for is his passport and a visa, a student visa. The passport issue we've discussed, but I wasn't sure if I was updated on or I updated everyone on his visa situation. The good news is we are able to get it taken care of at the Italian consulate here in Atlanta. And I'm grateful because it would have been a trip to Miami. And not that this would have been an issue, however, but I currently work part-time and I've had to, oh, I have to take paid time, uh, unpaid time off in order to do it. Um, let's see. Uh, the good news is... Uh, Chris Hubby will be able to take him to his visa. And so a crisis has been averted until I hear back from the Italian consulate within days of that appointment to find out what I actually need. So for me, okay. it's okay. That's interesting. But you still I'm, don't have his passport yet because you just correct. did that. A couple so weeks I know ago. that's a gimme that, that I, and that uh, it's in the system. But I think what I'm going to do is spend a little time researching what is needed for the student visa. Um, like I oh, said, yeah, I, doesn't he need to take that with him to the appointment? Ideally, they'll process it there. That's the no, whole. The visa point of the is what they grant over there. They have they have to do it. Yeah, but don't you? Isn't the whole point of the appointment to give them what they need so that so they, that they can? Yeah. Yeah. So you got to know before you send them, they have to take what they need, like probably a letter from the school saying he's been admitted. Yes, yes, yes. That you bought him. I don't know. I don't think you, I'm trying to think if you would have had to have bought him more than a one-way ticket. I mean, you kind of can't because they don't let you book tickets that far out. So it's not like you can really book him a return ticket. Right. Well, I can if he comes home in December. Right, but that wouldn't be, I mean, that's not him leaving at the end of the school year. Right. But, because that's true, since he's a student, like, he may have to leave at the end of the school year. It's like, oh, you want to stay over in Italy for the summer? Sorry, that's, oh, but maybe the visa will be for the whole year. 
Right. Or maybe he'll get a three-year visa. I don't know. I bet he has to probably do it every year because he has to prove he's still enrolled, probably. Right. And I'm also um, going to ask them, <clears throat> just out of curiosity, what would it be to get a work visa? Because what if he wanted to work on his breaks? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how could that Yeah, those might be harder to get. I don't know. I guess it varies from country to country. I think Italy has pretty high unemployment, so they might not be that keen on giving... Um, Oh, you know, right. A non-citizen uh, an employment visa, but. Right. So this whole process is all consuming is really what I'm trying to say. Then not a moment goes by where I'm not thinking about his current grades and then, you know, him doing well in tournaments leading up to leaving and also his student visa, his passport, getting all the paperwork ready. I mean, it'll all work out, but it's just a lot of information to take care of in the interim. I'm constantly thinking about it. I getcha. Well, a quick Google search here says um, that with a student visa for Italy, you are only allowed to work part-time, but that would be fine, meaning for a maximum of 20 hours per week and 1,040 hours per year. It says, in addition, once your studies are finished, you can apply to convert your residence permit from a student one to a work permit. So sounds like, all right, I'm a little surprised, but it sounds like. uh, And by the way, that's even like he might have to come home on his breaks. I don't even I don't know. No, he shouldn't have to. I mean, well, all right. It's obviously been decades now since I've studied abroad, but I don't think there's any requirement you come home over a break. Right. Right. But okay, there you go. So. But I there answered that go. question for you, Riss. Thank I, you. I found the answer. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, I guess it might be time to go find uh, MB, although he did text us and say I have to reset my Zoom password. Hmm. But okay. I guess we can hop on over and see if he's if he's oh yeah, okay. Ready, ready willing, and able. All right. I will see you in a few seconds. All right, sounds good. And we're back for MB's Corner. Hello, MB. Let's go. Hi. (laughs) What is happening in MB's Corner today? (laughs) Well, last week, last Wednesday, I went to the eye doctor to get my eyes checked, which involved me doing that machine. Okay. Which machine is it? It's it's the puff of air, and then it's that machine that you put your eye on too. Got it. Okay. I hate the puff of air, and yeah, it's the I don't know what it's called. I'm going to call it a spectrometer, which probably what it isn't. But they move the thing to like test how bad your eyes have gotten. Right. Did your eyes get worse, Michael? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, so you got to get a new prescription, or are they letting you keep your old one? My prescription changed a little bit. Oh, it's not bad. But so little that you're, they're just said, just keep, don't change it, or do you have to get new eyeglasses again? 
I got a new pair of glasses last. Got a new pair of glasses last week. Did, were they oh, able no. to just pop the lenses into your frames? No, I had to buy a whole new pair of frames. What? That wow. makes no sense, man. They are they are milking your parents. I feel like yeah, they are. I mean, okay, I don't wear glasses, but isn't it a thing? Like, can't you keep your frames and they pop the lenses in for you? Yeah, they could. But you know what? Here's the thing. If he doesn't have a backup, then he can't use those glasses because they have to be sent off. Right. Huh. All right. Yeah. Sorry I wasn't up there in time to do the appointment with you this year. I did get the I did get the uh reminder postcard from them, although I may finally have to pull the plug and just find an eye doctor down here. I went to a new eye doctor. I think I went at like last Wednesday as well. I went to um yeah and it, that was like really weird. I walk in and they had um an ele- like a an iPad kiosk that you sign into. Uh-huh. And it helps you run your insurance card and all that. And then you sit down and they call you back and they check your vision. Then they let you sit back down again in the waiting room. And then they call you back and they do the they didn't do the eye puff test. They did something similar. And then they did this scanning thing that was like, oh, I had to get my eyes numbed for that. And then it not because it was it was it was so they wouldn't have to dilate my eyes. So it was like a $40 extra fee. But I was like, that's all right. I can handle that. That's a no brainer. And then they bring me back again. And that's when they check more and blah, blah, blah. So. It was what, and then I got to see the eye doctor finally, and she was actually really cool. She was just like going through everything on the iPad with me, but what was really, and she was using all these, you know, big medical terms and Uh she was like, well, everything looks good. And I was like, oh, well, I wouldn't know because those terms you were using sounded kind of scary. she started laughing she's like no 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 your vision's like everything is fine that everything's healthy and i was like okay michael we've forgotten that word again haven't we yes i know i'm gonna i'm gonna scroll back through my notes there was a big word that our eye doctor used a couple years ago and we could not remember what it was we kept trying to think about it and uh it was like something like prilo presbyopia 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 oh my god that was like driving us crazy and yeah what is that what is presbyopia it it's literally like uh your eye takes longer to focus um, focus yes and it's just it basically happens to old eyes um so because i noticed you know, I could still read small print on labels, but it was, right. it was almost like I could feel my eyes focusing. Like I couldn't Got just it. glance at it anymore. Yeah. Presbyopia. I saw Flanagan. Yep. Dr. Flanagan. She's the lady. Nice. Uh, well, so now with your new prescription, do you see sports better on TV? Yeah. What are people watching lately? I've been watching basketball. Tell the, tell the listeners what time of year it is. March Madness. <laughs> and what happened to our team, Kennesaw? I didn't watch. We, 
We were ahead. It was a good game. Okay. Now go ahead. Tell the whole story. Yeah, tell the whole story. So, 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 so this was Kennesaw State's first time being in the NCAA tournament. Uh-huh. After winning the A-Sun Championship against Liberty. Nice. Okay. And then what happened in the game? They lost we, in the first round, right? Yes, we lost to Xavier. Okay. Who's from Cincinnati? Yes. And and what happened? What why? We we lost. I know, but did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched the most of it and then I turned it off. Oh, okay. you didn't watch the end? How what what was the final score? Uh 72-67. That's a pretty tight game. Yeah, I think the issue was, you know, the Owls were leading and the other team battled back from behind. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know what's worse when you're a sports fan. Is it worse to have a victory ripped out from beneath your team or to be losing the whole time? Right. But, but hey, well, you know what? That was a valiant effort and it's the first time in. So they, you know, never felt that type of pressure before. So I hey, go for them. Yeah, something to build on. I mean, yeah. they, it's still a major turnaround because they finished their 2019-2020 season 1-28. and 28. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, are, are there, what teams are you rooting for now in the brackets? I, I'm rooting for Houston. I have the brackets pulled up. I'm... Okay, tell us, what, tell us what's going on. I'm rooting for Alabama, Houston in the men's tournament. To go all the way? To be the last two teams standing? Yes. How could you not have UCLA in there? (laughs) I had had Purdue making it, but then they lost. I know. I think they, I think uh, Vivian, I think it was Vivian, Vivian or Jonathan told me uh there are no in 20 million brackets there are no more perfect brackets nobody has it nobody has it 100 percent right anymore with oh that's interesting yeah all right so and then i picked kansas and they lost i was gonna say i think kansas lost right (laughs) to arkansas okay and then uh uva lost to fairly dickinson right I think there have been a lot of upsets in this tournament. I don't know. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't follow it that closely, but Jonathan and Vivian do, and Vivian has brackets like you do. And um, But let's see here. We're tracking every upset in the NCAA men's tournament. Okay. Let's see what this article says. This is from the NCAA website. Uh, Princeton quiets Missouri. Okay. Arkansas upsets Kansas. Uh, FDU stuns number one Purdue and the world, says. 
Uh, Pitt dominates Iowa. Okay. I don't know. Is it an upset really when some teams ranked 11th and the others ranked 15th? Like that doesn't seem like a sixth and 11th. Sorry. That doesn't seem like an upset. Uh, Princeton shocks, Arizona. All right. Now we're going backwards. Furman. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Furman who beat UVA. Right. And then North Carolina took down Duke. Which there's no sadness in this house. Jonathan doesn't like Duke. All right. Okay. Houston beat Arizona. What? Okay. This I had not heard. Oh, that's this is last year. I'm reading last year's. Oh my God. All right. I, I only switched to last year when I said North Carolina takes down Duke. I think everything up until then. Furman Edges, Virginia was March 16th, 2023. So do you, do you have time to watch any of these games or are you just following it online, Michael? I'm just following it online. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good luck with your bracket. I can't wish you total luck, though, because I need UCLA to win the national championship for my 91-year-old father-in-law. <clears throat> Because it would it would make him happy. I mean, it would make Jonathan happy too. But since he's only sixty, he hopefully has more years to watch UCLA win. Right. <clears throat> yep. Yep. You see, the last the last basketball match I watched was with you, Babs. We were watching the um, NCAA or whatever championships. The uh. You and I were watching basketball together. Yeah, we yeah we all watched the uh, Steph Curry play against whoever. Oh, not NCAA. You're no, talking not NCAA. The, the champion or the it, NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs. But that was the championship game that we watched. Oh, was it? Okay. We watched the whole series all week because it was it was a crazy week of sports because I think. Um, oh, was the French Open still going on? Uh. Yeah. No, that was, that was, it was leading up to Wimbledon. Wimbledon hadn't taken place yet and the French Open was over. Okay. So, and then we were also watching, so we were watching the beginning of the, the road up to Wimbledon. And then we were watching the Tampa Bay Lightning play. So we were watching hockey. And okay. we a little bit of baseball. So we, every night we had oh, some to watch. We had, whole, we had a whole lot of crazy going on. Oh, there was, there was. Oh, that's right, because you're in, you're you like baseball, and Michael, you like baseball, and yes, I don't pay that close attention to baseball anymore. Just out of curiosity, Michael, do you know when the season starts baseball? The opening day is the thirtieth of March. Oh, okay, so it's coming right up because I see them playing their spring spring matches. So. Or so early, so early baseball starting in March. I know, and it it goes all the way through September. It's crazy. Uh, no, it goes till freaking November. That's oh. when the World Series is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just insane, insane. I don't know. You know, I have, I do have to tune into some games this season to see how they've implemented my rule changes. They have implemented some. I can tell you that. <laughs> We won't go into all that again, no. but uh, yeah, it's just kind of funny. Well, all right. So we know who you're rooting for in baseball, uh, the Mariners, right, Michael? Yes. And and who are you rooting for in baseball? 
Chris. Baseball? Baseball. Yeah. Uh, have- I, I have to always root for the Yankees, the Mets, and the Braves in that order. Okay. Well, I root for the Red Sox. Right. That's a gimme. Therefore, I do not root for the Yankees. No, you do not. <laughs> or the Mets. Or the I don't Mets. Know which one's worse. The Mets might actually be worse. No, the Mets are actually really good. No, the- I meant for me. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, let's Ooh. see. What 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 are the early odds? Let's see. According to NBC Sports, the Astros edge the Yankees and Dodgers in early 2023 World Series odds. The Astros, aka the Cheaters, yep. right? They're the cheater team. So let's see. Cheater team, cheater team. Of course, one of their cheater coaches ended up at the Red Sox. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, let's see. Uh, Houston is currently the narrow favorite to repeat. And they're followed by the Yankees. So lucky. The Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves. All right, Russ, you're like in a trifecta apparently this season. How are we going to watch all these games and the Padres? And then the teams with the lowest odds. Let's see. The Oakland A's. The Oakland A's. The Oakland A's. They're the biggest long shot to win. They have the lowest odds. They're the money ball team. What about the Mariners? They're not in this uh, kind of high and low because the other teams that have the lowest odds are the Nationals, the Pirates, the Reds, and the Rockies. Those round out the bottom five. All right, let's see. Um, these are the point bets odds for all 30 teams. So I don't know what that means, but the Mariners are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine out of 30 teams. So that's not too bad. Yep. Better than the Red Sox or the Rays. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if I get to any baseball games this summer. It is actually kind of fun to go. I like seeing the Tampa Bay games, and it's going to sound funny to say this because they're indoors, so it's air-conditioned. I forgot the name of the Tampa Bay Rays baseball stadium. Oh, Raymond James Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice. It's nice to watch a game in air conditioning. I'm not going to lie. That's a crazy thing. Huh. Yep. Yep. This is like a crazy sports time because you have March Madness. Um, you know, like you have basically all the sports kind of going on in one way or the other because the NFL 2023 season officially started this month, even though, you know, the games don't start until the end of the year. And baseball. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers wanting to play for the Jets? Oh, I think it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I think it's, I think it's like he's only going to play for that because he hasn't committed. He only he's only going to commit once he gets his players on the roster. Is that correct? I think I had heard that. Yes, like he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore, which he's been saying every year for the past yeah. however many years, even though they gave him a big ass contract. And uh, yeah, he wants them to put winning players around him. Um, so. Jets have the money. I don't see why not, but we'll see. Well, yeah, there's always this list of teams, right? Because Aaron Rodgers at his age is not your franchise quarterback. So you're bringing him in because you hope you can win a quick Super Bowl. But yeah. he ain't no Tom Brady. And nope. so I say good luck with that. Good I mean, luck. I- 
He's a great quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's only managed to win one Super Bowl in his career. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't know. But the Jets are so bad; they've been so bad for so long. They've got to try something, right? Yeah, that's so it makes sense. They shouldn't. I mean, they should take him for a year or two. Yeah, and then the Seahawks just signed Geno Smith to an extension. Yep. I mean, that makes sense too. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's better than a bunch, but I doubt the Seahawks are super Bowl, super bowl contenders this year. Let's see. Let's see. Who are the, who are the super bowl favorites? Who are next year's super bowl? Possibly be making that prediction already. Oh my God. They make it as soon as they can. I'm sure next year's. Super Bowl champion. Well, especially now, because, you know, you have all the movements and free agency and stuff. I mean, it'll change, but there's always betting odds. Um, let's see. Who is favored to win Super Bowl 2023? Which I guess is what this... No, that was this year. Super Bowl 2024. Super Bowl champion, even though it will be for the 2023 season, because football likes to mess with my mind that way. All right. An early look at the 2024 Super Bowl odds. Of course, uh, the Chiefs are at the top. Chiefs, 49ers, Bills, Eagles, Bengals, Cowboys, Chargers, Jaguars, Lions? Lions. All right. Now we know these. Are you reading last year's again? (laughs) No, I'm definitely reading 2024 Super Bowl odds for CBS Sports. An article 2024. I can't even think that far ahead. February, oh. It was updated February 13th, 2023. So, literally the day after the Super Bowl, as soon as the one Super oh Bowl. Oh my the, God. The odds on the other one. Um, all right, wait. Who's the lowest? The Texans. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find your Seahawks. Yeah, they're not looking good. Sorry, Michael. They're, they're down at the bottom of the pack. It's all right. The only teams worse with worse odds than them, at least as of a month and a half ago, a month ago, were the Titans, Panthers, Commanders, Colts, Falcons, Cardinals, Bears, and Texans, all historically bad, bad teams. Where the heck are the Patriots, though? What about the Buccaneers? I know. The Buccaneers are going to be... All right, I don't even see it. Oh, let's see. I've lost. I've, I'm some. I'm lost somewhere. I don't even. Okay, the buck. Uh, the Patriots and the Buccaneers are right one right after the other, very firmly in the middle to bottom half of the pack. Not surprising. Although the Buccaneers signed uh, Baker Mayfield to a one-year contract. I did hear about that. We'll see how that goes. I am not sure. That's. And then, uh, what did the Dolphins do, though? Didn't they sign some another quarterback uh, just recently? Dolphins QB depth chart. Let's see. Who, who, who? Because who, I mean, honestly, it's like, is Tua really going to be able to play? But I don't know. I can't find anything about it. Have you heard anything, Michael? No. Did the Dolphins sign as a QB? And then isn't that Mike White next month? All right, Mike White. They took the Jets 
they took that quarterback from the Jets. Um, remember, he like was starting some games for them after they benched the other quarterback, but then he got Zach injured. Wilson. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the Dolphins announced they signed uh, Mike White as an unrestricted free agent from the Jets, where he played in eight NFL games with seven starts. So yeah, they're hedging their bets against Tua. I mean, he's the backup, but uh, you know. Although this says Miami Dolphins signed quarterback Mike Glennon with Tua out, so that's who the heck's Mike Glennon? Anyway, oh. la la la. Uh, that was back before the season ended this year. All right. Yep. So that's basketball college we haven't talked about professional basketball but we can just leave that alone the mlb the nfl and then of course there's tennis but don't tell me what's happening actually i just looked at the score for the women's don't nope i won't say anything i just wanted to see because i really honestly didn't know you're not gonna watch it it's on it's it's on on four started at four oh yeah 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 so no, I didn't record it because you know how I feel about women's tennis. I'm really just <sighs> I've been watching it as much as I can and I know who's who's in it and all that good stuff. I was irritated that some particular people lost, but I'm over it. Mm. Um and I have my prediction who of who I want to win today. Um, but yes, I want Sabalenka to win. Me too. That's me too. Who I'm rooting for. Um, and though Sabalenka Rabakina or Ribakina, I never know how you say her name. Yeah. This is a, this is a matchup. I mean, this was the Australian open final, right? Yes. Yes. So. so Sabalenka has some work to do. She has a, you know, so we'll she's see. I was, she's playing really well. I was just upset that Spryatek left, but, um, lost, but you know, it is what it is. I, I was shocked actually that she lost. I was not because, as Jonathan said, she is probably the best clay court player currently, but she is not the best hard court player. And the fact that she was able to win on the hard courts is just because these other players had not gotten their acts together yet. So I think mm-hmm. Svitek's overall dominance, I mean, I think she'll always be very competitive deep into tournaments, but if Sabalenka and Rabakina. And some of these other more hardcore, you know, people start playing up to their potential. Then I think Spitek is going to maybe fade to like a French Open player, kind of like Nadal. Nadal. Kidding, of course. But I get more of a rise out of you with that fade. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm starting to. Uh, I I love him and everything, but he. No, I, he's totally great. But it's time for him to retire. Oh, I, I'm with you 100. I just. You know what it is? I don't like we've I don't think any of us have ever been in a in a phase where you've watched somebody play for 20 years or whatever, including Federer and and Serena, and they start to fade. And it's like uh, uh, it's just shocking and upsetting because you don't want no, them to, that, fade. That, yeah. to go out on top. So right, but that- was Federer and Serena right they hung right. around until they weren't on top anymore right right I always I didn't want them to go I wanted them to go out with the big win for whatever tournament it was, and then retire so it's That's like right. if if 
Rafa's going to come back for the French Open, I'm going to be really pissed off at him for even bothering to come back and losing in the second round or something because it's like, well, that's it now. That's it. Yeah, he won't. If he comes back and plays the French, I won't be surprised if he's in the final again. But um, not to put any of that pressure on him now that I've put it out there. Uh, I don't know that he feels pressure that way. John and I were talking about it, right? Because I was like, well, you know, now he's tied. He and Djokovic are tied for most majors. And realistically, Djokovic is going to be able to play longer than Nadal. He's just in better shape and better health than Nadal. And uh, so, you know, all things being equal, you have to think at the end of the day, Djokovic is going to end up with more Grand Slam titles than Nadal. And Jonathan said, which I kind of suspected, he's like, yeah, I don't think really Nadal cares about that that as much. Like, I bet Roger cared about it more than Nadal does. But again, it's like, why are you playing? Well, because you still love the game. And Jonathan, of course, was like, he did win two majors last year. I'm like, yes, but in fairness, he only won the Australian because Djokovic wasn't there. But again, you can only play against the people who showed up. So it's still... You know, he beat everybody else there, which was ridiculous. The right. Shame on those shame on those players last year for letting him win the Australian Open. <laughs> shame on them. Uh, Anywho, all right. Well, I'm hungry. I've got to go to dinner now. And I have I have other calls I have to make tonight. I have to do an interview with Naomi. She needs to interview me for a class. Oh wow. I know. I'm a little afraid. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it'll be fine. You'll do great. MB, any final words of wisdom you want to share with the listeners until next time? No. All right. Well, then we'll call that a wrap and we'll stop the recording. (laughs) Bye. Bye.